I'd like to begin today with a reading of a poem that I found this week. "'Twas the day after Christmas, and all through the house, every creature was hurting, even our mouse. The toys were all broken, the batteries all dead. The joy and the laughter seems more like a dread. Wrapping and ribbons just covered the floor, boxes and bags and so much more. And I in my t-shirt, new Reeboks and jeans, I went in the kitchen and started to clean. I don't know what after Christmas feels like for you, but sometimes for me, after everything's been said and done, all the logistics have happened, gotten through everything, it's been a wonderful moment, but at the end of it, I can just kind of feel like, oh, let's not do that again for another year. Like, let's, let's just do one more year. And I, I don't know if you ever feel that way about Christmas, but sometimes it can feel like there's this after Christmas moment where we kind of breathe out and sort of move on, sort of start to pick up all the pieces of the trash and different things that we create. By the way, speaking of trash, did you know that in this country, that from the period of Thanksgiving to Christmas, in those four-week period, the average person will create six and a quarter pounds more trash every single day? Now, that may not seem like a lot, but that's every single day, the average person will, will create 6.25 pounds more trash in the four weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas, which if you take that over our population of 330 million people, you're looking at almost 3 billion pounds of trash extra that's created. I don't know if you know this, that, that there's actually going to be seven, after Christmas, there's over 7 million trees that are hauled to the dump. There's 38,000 miles of ribbon that's thrown away, which is enough to go around the earth one whole time. There, there's actually enough wrapping paper thrown away after Christmas that there's, it could cover 45,000 football fields. That's crazy. And as we start to sort through the after Christmas moments and all this trash gets hauled to the dump and everything goes back in the box, if you will, and we begin now talking about a new year and our New Year's resolutions, sometimes what I fear is that some of the impact of Christmas gets kind of thrown away. Sometimes Jesus, if you will, kind of goes back in the box. The birth of Christ goes back in the box and, hey, we'll circle back next year and We'll, we'll sing the songs again next year. But my hope and my prayer for us is that Christmas isn't just something that we celebrate once a year, that it goes through each and every day of our lives. There's a story I loved of a gal who had her pastor come over after Christmas, and he just noticed that she had been putting all the Christmas decorations away, and he was trying to be helpful, and he said, hey, I, I think you forgot one ornament. There, there's one sitting on the shelf over there, just one Christmas ornament, nothing else there. And she turns and says, no, actually, I didn't forget it. That's something that I, I intentionally do. Every single year when I take the Christmas tree down, I take one ornament off the tree. I set it on a shelf where I can see it so that I'm reminded that the birth of Christ should go with me all throughout each and every day. And so I have it there all year long to remind me that Christmas isn't just one day. It's something I should celebrate every day. And I think the same thing should be true for us. And so today I want to talk about this idea of how do we make Christmas something that goes with us all throughout the year. And I want to look at a couple of characters in Scripture that I love in the Christmas story. 
That's a couple that you're probably familiar with. If you'd like to join me in your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today, talking about a couple different characters. But first, I want to talk about the shepherds. We probably all know this scripture. We probably have all heard this around Christmas time, that there were, after Jesus is born in Bethlehem, it says that there were shepherds living in the field, watching their flocks, when suddenly an angel appears. It says, do not be afraid. I come with good news for you. That it's going to cause you great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. As if that wasn't enough, suddenly he's joined by a choir of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And it says that when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Father, as we dive into your word today, talk about these characters in Scripture, this amazing story of your Son coming down to save us. Lord, would you work in us? Would you help us to not just see it as a story, but see it as a fact, and help us to grow closer and closer to you today? In your name we pray. Amen. So something that I love in this story is the shepherds. I've always kind of loved them because they're so enthusiastic. And in all reality, they kind of encapsulate what it means to really be a follower of Jesus, don't they? I mean, the, they're, they're, they're told the truth, the good news. They believe the good news. They leave everything. I mean, it doesn't say they brought their sheep with them. It kind of implies they left them there. So they leave everything. They go... And then they start praising God and telling everyone. I mean, that's pretty much the model to being a follower of Jesus, isn't it? And it's a great thing, and it's awesome. But what I, I've always found interesting about the story is, is there's kind of a piece that, that seems to not really fit, or a piece that kind of seems to, to contrast, if you will. So you have these shepherds that are coming around, and they're so incredibly excited. I mean, they're telling everyone this story. They're, they're not just calmly talking about it. They're grabbing people going, have you heard the story yet? Have you heard? Oh, you haven't? Okay, okay, okay. Here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay, so we're, we're out in our field, right, watching our sheep. We're shepherds, by the way. And so we're out there, and we're, we're all of a sudden, this angel shows up, and he says, do not be afraid. And we're like, too late. But he says, hey, I have good news that will bring you great joy. Today, a Savior is born. The Messiah is here. And actually, it will be a sign to you if you go and look right now, you will find a baby lying in a manger. And so we're like, okay, let's go. And so we go. And do we, do we forget the sheep? Oh, yeah, I guess we did. Okay, so we go and we get there. 
And Jeff's like, why would a baby be in a manger? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And we're like, that's why it's a sign, Jeff. And sure enough, we found it. A baby in a manger. And this is the Messiah. We're so excited. This is so amazing. Have you heard the story yet? Okay, okay. So, so we're out in our fields, right? Like they're just going and telling everybody. And then there's this moment that seems to kind of contrast with the mood of the shepherds. It says in verse 19, But, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Like, it's, it's always interesting to me that that wording is used. That it's almost like the shepherds are excited and freaking out, but Mary. Like, as if they're two different things. And, and sometimes when I've read that, I've almost kind of chuckled to myself and wondered if, like, maybe this was some, some sort of a way to cover for Mary. Like, she's sitting there, she just had a baby, and all of a sudden these dudes are running around yelling and hooping and hollering while she's trying to have a baby sleep. And she's kind of sitting there, kind of stone-faced. She's like leaning over to Joseph, like, why are they here? I get that they're excited about the baby. I am too. I just delivered him. I would like to rest now. That that's great they saw an angel. I did too. And you know when I what I did? When I did when I saw an angel, I didn't show up at their house in the middle of the night, did I? (laughs) Somebody's like, Joseph, is Mary okay? And he's like, Oh, she's just she's um She's just treasuring these things in her heart and pondering. That's her pondering face. I don't think that's actually what's happening here. I think the reason why these these two things are kind of shown in contrast is that the shepherds are having their moment of celebration and joy, but Mary's also had those moments. In fact, the Gospels actually record a whole entire song that she sang after the angels came, or the angel came and told her about the birth of Jesus. She's had her moments of excitement, but in this moment, Mary's doing something very different. I believe praising God is so incredibly great, and mountaintop experiences are so incredibly important, but if you're someone who's been following Jesus for a while you've probably realized there are mountaintop experiences and there are valley experiences and God is still God in all of them, but there, there is moments where we go through that are not always as great and they're not always like, woo! There's moments that kind of go a little low. The Bible talks about how our shepherd will walk us through the valley of the shadow of death. And in those moments, we will fear no evil, but he doesn't say he'll help us go around the valley. He'll go right through the valley with us. And see, Mary, her story is a lot different than the shepherds. They have this great moment in Scripture. They celebrate and they go back telling people about what God has done. But the reality is that Mary's story is a lot longer than theirs, isn't it? I mean, in 33 years when Jesus starts his ministry, we don't even know if these shepherds are alive. We don't know if they ever became followers of Jesus. We have no idea. What we do know is that they weren't at the foot of the cross watching Jesus be crucified. We know Mary was. We, we know that, it, that Mary literally was through the whole thing, from the birth of Jesus to his crucifixion to his rising from the dead. Mary is there for all of it. And actually, her journey is about to get really crazy. She's, in just a little bit, she's going to end up having to run for her life from Herod, who's going to try to 
kill baby Jesus. Her journey is a long one. I think the same is true of the Christian life. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 12, And therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The author of Hebrews says, let us run the race with perseverance. You know the difference between a sprint and a long hike? For me, it's how many snacks I'm going to bring. I mean, think about it. If you and I are going to go run a 100-yard dash, and I show up wearing a big backpack with a tent and a sleeping bag, you're going to say, what are you doing? But if the opposite happens, if we're going on a 100-mile hike, and you show up with all your stuff, all your survival gear, your cool axe, all the cool stuff, and I show up wearing a pair of gym shorts, t-shirt, and running shoes, and I'm like, all right, let's go. And you're like, you're not going with me. I only have so many medical supplies. Because the fact is, a journey involves preparation, right? And in the same way, the Bible refers to the Christian walk as a, as a long race. It's a long journey. And it involves preparation. It involves moments where we have to have things treasured up in our hearts and have to be pondering over what God's done in our lives because eventually there's a point if we just live off of the high moments of, whoa, God showed up, and then we just move on and nothing gets, stays with us, there can be a point where we run out of steam. That's why I love Mary's response in this verse. And I want to look at it today and see how it applies to our life. And so I want to look at these two things. The first thing that Mary did that I love is she treasured up these things that God was doing. It's interesting that later on Jesus will say in Matthew chapter 13, that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Jesus will later say that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, something we should seek after with everything. And I, I love this word that Mary is used to describe Mary here. When it says that she treasured, this word is also translated later when Jesus is talking about the parable of the wineskins. This word is translated as preserved. Ultimately, this word means to keep something safe, to preserve it for future use, to protect it as something valuable. She took this amazing moment and she just held it close. She treasured it. She valued it. She protected it. She just took everything that was going on and she just held it close to her and remembered it. I, I don't know about you, but I, I've had a lot of moments in my life or something amazing has happened, and then later I kind of forget. Like, like, I don't know how many of you have been married for, for a long time, but even for me, I haven't married that long, and I have moments where I think about the joy of my wedding day and how excited I was, and sometimes I can just forget about that. Forget about how excited I was to be married to my wife, because I just get caught up in the day-to-day -day of life. I don't know how many of you are, are college football fans, but this weekend's kind of a big weekend for college football. 
I, I just want you to, if you got a, like a major, anybody married to someone or got someone in their life that like screams at the TV? Anybody have anybody like that, like that in your life? That just like freak you out? Okay, I see some like this right here. No one's like raising hands, but it, we're at church. We can just admit it. It's okay. It's okay. But you know, if you have someone in your life who's like a major, major like football fan that's just like screaming at the TV, I just want you to write it down. Like, try this. Write down exactly what they're screaming about. Like, put it in detail. Write it down. Come back to them, like, six weeks later. So, hey, listen. It was uh, December 2023. Uh, third quarter, two minutes and 53 seconds left I have here. And uh, your direct quote is, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that? Oh, my gosh. Did you see that? Did you see that we're going to win it all this year? Quick quiz. What exactly were you yelling about? Probably not going to remember, are they? Because there's so many times in our life where we have things that we're so excited about and we're freaking out about and we're like, woo, yes. And then later we just, oh, yeah, I don't even remember what I was so excited about, do I? And the fact is there's moments that God has done stuff in my life that in the moment I'm like, wow, God has shown up. He did it. This is amazing. And then later I have moments where I'm like, man, does God even show up anymore? And then later I'm reminded, oh yeah, God did this, and he did this, and he did this. Unfortunately, it's very easy to forget what God has done in our life. And the fact is, I think it's just a fact of life that we naturally will do this. Because you see it all throughout the Old Testament. That's why so many times, whenever God does something, he always reminds them to remember. Remember. The word remember is used so many times in the Old Testament. And whenever God does something incredible, so often the, the people that are involved will go and build an altar. Why? To have a physical reminder that God did something right here. So that later they can take their kids back there and go, kids, kids, kids. This is where God showed up. This is where God did something incredible. In the same way in Nehemiah chapter 9, as the people are coming back from captivity, I, I love this moment. They they've come back from captivity, and essentially the reason they were in captivity is because they kept forgetting what God had done in the past. And so in Nehemiah 9, they basically sit there and tell the entire story again of what God has done from Abraham till then. And in the same way, all throughout the, the Old Testament, there are different moments where they'll go back and they'll remind, remember what God did. So many of the feasts and the festivals that they did were all about remembering, God did this cool thing. God showed up. God did it. And Deuteronomy 6 Moses is speaking and he says, These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. He says, put it everywhere where you can see it. If you've ever been to Israel recently, one of the things that, that, that kind of threw me for a loop was I wondered why so many of the people on my flight were wearing GoPros on their heads. And if you've never seen one of these, they actually still take this command very seriously and they have a very traditional thing that they do that in different traditional sects of Judaism, 
they actually have this thing that's like a box that's strapped around their head. And in the box is a piece of the Torah, a piece of God's law. It's a beautiful thing. They'll, they'll have it on there. And, and when, you, you know, when you understand what it is, it's so cool. It, it's so amazing. But the thing is, all, in this moment, the command here is to talk about what God has done. To treasure them in your hearts and to put physical reminders all around them of what God has done. And in the same way, when we have moments where God does something in our life, I think it's so incredibly important to impress it on our heart, to talk about it with other people, especially our kids. Here's what God did for us. Here's what God did for our family. And also to even have physical reminders I don't know how many of you journal, but I think it's such a great thing to go and write down what God has done. God, today, I really felt like you were telling me this. God, today, you showed up in this way. God, today, I wasn't feeling so great. Whatever it is, just journaling, I think, is so important because I will go back so often. And I'll have moments where I was struggling. And I'm like, oh, yeah, God, really, later on. Whew. Or I'll have moments where I go, oh, yeah, God did do that, didn't he? Gosh, I really was struggling in that area, and I don't struggle in that anymore. Gosh, I really, I really didn't know what was going to happen there. I was really scared of what the outcome of that was going to be, and all of a sudden it worked out, didn't it? I think that having moments in our life where we write down what God has done, reflect on what God has done for us, having reminders. I even have little things in my life. I love little trinkets, and I have so many trinkets that I keep around me of something important that God has taught me of something important that, that I have. Oh yeah, that was, a, that was a cool moment or something big in my life that I need to remember. I, I've heard it often said that one of the most important things a Christian can do is preach the gospel to yourself every day. To remind yourself of the gospel story that God loves you so much that he sent his son down to die on a cross for you from every sin, for everything that you've done wrong in your life. And he died on a cross and was raised in three days and sits at the right hand of the Father. And now his Holy Spirit lives in you. That's something we should remember every single day. We should remember God's truth every single day because the fact is what we focus on in our life will affect the direction of our life. What we focus on in our life will affect the thoughts in our life. Have you ever noticed how powerful your thoughts are? I, I, Craig Rochelle in his book, Winning the War in Your Mind, has this quote that I love. He says, Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think shapes who we are. What we think about, what we think about ourselves, will shape who we are. The thoughts that we treasure and hold close to us will impact how we view our world, how we interact in our world. If we have negative thoughts about ourselves, it, it'll, it'll come out. It'll show itself in our life. fact is, a lie that's believed as truth will have the same impact in your life as if it were true. Adolf Hitler once said that if you tell a lie loud enough and long enough, eventually it becomes the truth. And the same thing is true in our life. So many people have believed lies that they have been told over and over and over again. And that's why keeping God's truth treasured in our hearts, treasured in our lives, is so incredibly important. Having moments that we're reminded, even writing it down. 
I am loved by God. I am treasured by God. God so loved me that he sent his son down to die on a cross for me. I am a child of God. I am redeemed by God. I am justified by God. I am heard by God. I can come boldly before his throne. I'm saved. I'm a new creation. I'm in the process of being made holy. I'm not God. That's an amazing promise of scripture, isn't it? God's God and I'm not. That I can't let him down because he holds me up. I was never holding him up. He holds me up in his victorious right hand, the Bible says. That's a promise of scripture. It's so important that we remember the truth and treasure it in our lives. Storing it up for those moments. I can't imagine the moments where Mary just was going through so much. I can't imagine that she always had the best attitude. I'm sure there were moments where she just goes, man, this really stinks. Got somebody trying to kill us, had to move to a whole new country. Whatever moment it was, I'm sure there were moments where she had to go back to what she had treasured and stored up in her heart and pull back that moment that God's promises were shown true. That moment where the angel appeared. I don't know if you've, I have found in my life that what you treasure in life and hold close to you is incredibly, incredibly important. Whether it's the promises, the memories, maybe it's just the the truth and the things that you believe in life. Whatever you treasure and have close to you will impact your life greatly. I don't know if any of you have heard those heartwarming stories where someone will like who's a zookeeper or a caretaker of animals will have like a, a wild animal that's known as dangerous, like a bear or a lion or a tiger. And they get to the point with the animal where they can get like close to it and pet it and play with it and stick its head in, and stick their head in its mouth and they can like sleep on it. You know what I'm talking about? And then the part of the story comes that eventually one day the lion eats them. And to me, that's kind of heartwarming, only for one reason, because I feel really dumb some days, and some days I'm like, well, I'm dumb, but I'm not that dumb. <laughs> and, but then what I always find interesting about the story is that in that story, I think every, every, the only person who's actually surprised is the person being eaten. Like, the average person looks at that and goes, yeah, it's a lion. Like, you're, you're playing with a lion. That's what lions do like it's not a shocking story when it's like lion eats person who was basically just standing there asking for it like it's not a shocking story it's not something the only person that's really surprised is that person and the same thing is true in life i see so many times where people have something that is slowly devouring them and eating them and the only person that can't see it is them bible says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I've seen so many people who have things that are slowly devouring them because they've kept these ideas treasured in their heart. They've kept lies treasured in their heart. I've seen people in active addiction that everyone else can see that this thing is slowly killing them. And they're the only one that can't see it. They're the only one who can't take the, take the time to, to look back and see how this thing is affecting them, how this thing that they've believed is impacting their life. Because the fact is, what we treasure in life matters. What we hold close to us matters. What we allow to work in our life matters. And Mary in this moment takes the time to treasure this moment of what God has done. And put it in her heart and keep it safe 
and allow it to be something that she carries with her? Do we do the same thing? When God shows up in your life, do we take the time to treasure it, to allow it to impact us? And secondly, do we take the time to ponder? It says that she pondered all of these things in her heart, and sometimes I think we can so often forget the power of ponder. In fact, it's taking time to ponder things in our life and think about things. I believe it was Aristotle who said that the unexamined life is not worth living. The thing is, we can so often forget the power in pondering and taking time to reflect. In James 1.23, it says that anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Whoever looks intently into God's law. Whoever ponders it, whoever allows it to work in them and shape them and change them and mold them. In Psalm 1, it says that blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But then verse 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. This person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do will prosper. Whoever will take the time to meditate on God's law, on God's word, and allow it to work in them will see fruit growing in their life. And so often what I have found is I really like the idea of microwave spirituality. Like it says something in God's word, okay, throw in the microwave, hit the button, 30 seconds, we're done, right? But what I love about this verse is it says that they are like a tree planted by streams of water that bears fruit in its season. I don't know how many of you are gardeners, but fruit takes time. Fruit takes the right nutrients. It takes a series of habitual things to happen, like the right nutrients going in the soil on a regular basis, or the right amount of water coming in on a regular basis. It's something that requires time. That's why Jesus says in John 15 that, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you're not connected to me, you won't do anything. But if you're connected to me, you will bear much fruit. See, so often in our life, we can have moments where God does something. Or that as we open his word, we just kind of look at it, read a couple of verses and move on with our life. Or God does something incredible in our life. And we go, okay, great. Thanks, God. Thanks for the answer to prayer. Thanks for the wonderful moment. And then we just kind of move on. We never take the time to ponder what God's doing in our life, to ponder what his word says, to meditate on it, to allow it to shape us, to allow it to mold us. And looking at this next year, I just want to encourage us to look at how it is that we're studying God's word, how it is that we're getting into what God's word says. Do we have people in our life, like a life group or someone that we're talking about God's word with and, and allowing it to keep us accountable and walk with us? Are we actually getting into God's word and studying and allowing it to shape us and mold us? Are we allowing it to just wash over us? Or are we really allowing it? Are we meditating on it so that it'll sink in deep and take root in our life? 
Psalm 119 says that I will study your commandments and I will reflect on your ways. The message version of this verse I love, it says, I ponder every morsel of wisdom from you. I attentively watch how you've done it. I ponder every morsel of wisdom from you. Do we do the same? I want to end today by looking at Revelation chapter 2. There's a verse there that I love. I've just always found it really, really interesting because in, in Revelation, God is speaking to the church in Ephesus and he writes letters to each church. And it's funny because he said some really not great things to some churches, like pretty much, hey, you suck. And he starts off the letter to the church in Ephesus so well. It's starting so good. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Like that's, Let's just end the letter there. That's great. I, I would love to hear that about our church. He says, I know you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Whew! That's some good stuff, God. Thank you. Yet, uh oh, I hold this against you, for you've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You also hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He's kind of got a compliment sandwich there. Here's the good thing you're doing. Here's some great things you're doing. But right in the middle here, you have forgotten the love you had at first. Turn back. And so often I have have walked alongside Christians. I myself have been one of those Christians who just felt dry. Who's felt like in the midst of following Jesus, suddenly even in the midst of doing ministry for Jesus, like suddenly I just feel like I have nothing left in my soul. Like I just feel like I have no connection to God even though I'm, I'm preaching. I've known so many people that have, have followed along with Jesus and they just feel so tired and worn out. And I think one of the biggest things for why that happens is because they've stopped treasuring up the right things in their heart. They've stopped pondering on what God is doing in their life and instead they're in a place where they're just going through the motions of life and ultimately it gets to a place where they've lost the love they had at first. And so my hope, my prayer for you is that you're someone who's a follower of Jesus, is that your goal for this year would be just to fall more and more in love with Jesus. Because the more that we follow him, the more that his spirit can work in us and bring out the fruit, bring out the life change that his word promises, give us the power that his word promises. My hope for you this year is not just that as you write New Year's resolutions, that you wouldn't just be focusing on behavioral change, but instead focus on spiritual transformation. And the only way we do that is by following Jesus more and more closely and allowing him to do something in us. Maybe if you're someone who's never started a relationship with Jesus, my hope and my prayer for you is that today would be the day that you give everything to God and allow his love to transform you and work in you.
But you would know today there's a God who desperately loves you and sent his son down to die for you. And that if you follow him, everything in your life that's been wrong or bad is forgiven, but even more so, God has an even better thing for you. He says he'll make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. Give you a new heart, a new mind. It's an amazing thing. Would you join me in a word of prayer today as we say, Father, God, we just want to draw closer and closer to you today. We don't want to simply come through another Christmas, put everything back in the box and go back to the way it's always been. But God, we we pray that the birth of your son Jesus would impact every single moment of our lives. God, help us in these moments where we have elation and amazing things coming from you. Help us to treasure these things in in our hearts. God, help us to treasure your word and your promises in our hearts. God, help us to truly ponder the things that you do in our life. Help us to ponder your word. Help us to ponder in our time even speaking to you. God, would you work in us? Would you draw us closer and closer to you? Would you shape us? Would you mold us? And God, if there's anyone in this place today that's never started a relationship with you, God, I pray that today is the day that they give you everything. That they will admit anything in their life that doesn't look like you and allow you to change it today, making you Lord of everything. God, you are so good. You're so amazing and you're so incredible. Thank you for the gift of Christmas. God, may it change every single day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.